Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. Don Tony here, NXT TakeOver, Portland is in the books. See, that's what I get earlier for playing a joke to pretend as if I was sniffing this canned air. I think I actually did for a few minutes. My God. Wow, talk about an awesome pay-per-view. Talk about an awesome pay-per-view. It, it was just, I tell you, it just blew me away on how good this event was. Um... I tell you, I honestly don't remember what my prediction was in the Dakota Kai-Tegan Knox match. But if we just say that I predicted Dakota Kai, I got every match right today. Tommaso Ciampa, I know some of you out there thought that there were too many false finishes at the end. This is a guy, think of the storyline, he wanted his life back. So he, there was no way he was going to tap out. Yeah, it was kind of caca at the end with Johnny Gargano, you know, interfering. But if you follow the storyline of how many, I think we talked about this like a month or so ago, how many people are trying to become the NXT heavyweight champion? I don't think it kind of surprises all too many people. And let's be honest, Gargano earlier was not getting the entire crowd behind him. I, I honestly, I think the whole night tonight, I think the crowd was split in a lot of ways. But I tell you, this pay-per-view kicked ass. I get a kick, and I'm sorry if I have to bring this up, and I'm sorry if this pisses off people, but I have to bring up the, um, you know, just the, just the goofs out there in website land and in podcast land. Because what I, what I find so funny, and, and it was a couple of things. Now, listen, I totally get that not everybody watches NXT on a regular basis. If they did, they wouldn't have only seven or 800,000 viewers. Tonight's pay-per-view might change a lot of minds to start tuning in on a regular basis. But to the people out there, especially the websites and the podcasters that say you watch NXT on a weekly basis, you had Rena Gonzalez, or they're now calling her Regina Gonzalez. You know, it's just easier on the tongue. She shows up tonight in the Dakota Kai Tegan Knox match, and right away I want to see what the internet has to say because if you think about what I said in the past about Lars and Deanna Perrazzo when they came up to the main roster, Deanna for a couple of cup of coffee, and you have all these people who claim they watched this shit for years, and they're like acting they don't know who the person is. Uh, here's a little alert. To those goops out there that claim they watch this stuff on a regular basis. Rena Gonzalez has only been wrestling in NXT for, I don't know, three years? She's had, I think, 135 matches? And you're acting like you've never seen her before? 
Come on, man. Who are you trying to, to jive over here? And by the way, a few people are asking, what shirt am I wearing? This is from Andrew Dice Clay, Ford Fairlane. You know, so many assholes, so few bullets, you know? One of my favorite movies of all time. But I tell you, man, I really enjoyed this pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to get into it. Got a lot of stuff to cover. I am up here solo, and I want to just throw this out there before anybody says anything or asks or throws controversy. You know, here is the fact. Um, this is my channel. This features my work. NXT pay-per-views in the best. I don't think we've ever done a recap with other hosts. And the thing is, is that all week I didn't hear any other host say to me, hey, you watching TakeOver? Are we going to do a show? Are we going to do a recap? No. So I plan accordingly. I don't plan last minute. I plan all week to do tonight's show. And I know late tonight, I got a PM from Kev saying, hey, are we doing a, a recap? You didn't do one in November. You didn't do one in August. I can't play psych psychic and if somebody's going to be on with me or not. So that's why I'm riding solo. It's not to try to start anything or shun anybody out. Um... I, I And look, I know we were all wondering if Killer Cross was going to be making his debut tonight. You know, Ashbeta, wait, relax. There's no rush. There's no rush. And don't get me wrong. It would have been great tonight. But, you know, and it was funny because somebody said to me privately, like, hey, you want to know the truth? You want to know if he's debuting or not? And I said, you know what? I'd rather be surprised whether it happens or it doesn't happen. I'm not thrilled about the ending tonight with Gargano with the belt shot and everything, but I'll tell you this much. If you take a step back and you see the way NXT went down tonight, if Killer Cross would have interfered, some tells me that people would have been awfully disappointed to have an outcome of a match end because of an interference like that. Plus, with so many people, and I got to be honest with you, and I'm not saying this to start any controversy. In my opinion, I would not have Killer Cross debut in NXT until after WrestleMania. I know for a lot of you out there, you might think that's nuts and this and that, but just take a step back for a minute. I talked about this a couple of years ago with Finn Balor and others. The road to WrestleMania is pretty much set in stone. WWE already knows what storylines, what feuds, what matches are going to go down. Why rush him into a big-time storyline when you got Balor, when you got Gargano, when you got Ciampa, when you got Cole, when you got so many other major players over there, if he gets thrown in there right now, yeah, he might get lost in the shuffle a little bit. That's why I even said with some other roster members on Raw and on SmackDown, I've said, wait until WrestleMania. There's no big rush. Everybody thinks Aleister Black should get the ch title shot. You, you know, no, you don't have to blow your load all be by April. Take your time. Let this happen. And, you know, you have him, you know, make his debut later on. And if it happens sooner, you know, hopefully it's done the right way. But uh, I'm up here giving you your NXT TakeOver Portland recap. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed the NXT UK. Uh, but I enjoyed this more. And right off the bat, I'll be honest with everybody out there. I don't think there was a bad match tonight. Um, hey, the, the, the best match tonight that I got a kick out of, because look, I monitor social media. I look to see, you know, what the trends are, what people are buzzing about and what people aren't. And I got a kick out of people complaining about Balor and Gargano. 
And I'm saying to myself, you know what, Dijakovic, Dijakovic, oh my God. And you and Charlie Caruso kind of screwed up his name too tonight. When you had Dijakovic and Keith Lee have the match that they had, they had set the bar so freaking high tonight that it would be really, really difficult to surpass that match. But by far, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, said it right, Favorite match of the night. Not even close. Broza Waits, I know, got that big pop because, as I've been saying, you know, I watch NXT on a weekly basis, and we've been talking about it, you and I, that the Undisputed Era is slowly imploding. And, you know, we most of us predicted that the Undisputed Era were going to lose the tag titles, and we also said that Adam Cole will probably be the sole survivor right now as far as championship titles go. You're going to start seeing a little bit of dissension within the Undisputed Era, blaming each other and this and that. That's pretty much where this storyline is going. But um, so the Brozawaits getting the titles tonight, was obviously the fans' big pop of the night because, you know, it's a title change. Undisputed Era had the belts for quite a while. But, you know, as much as I have criticized Matt Riddle in the past for his personal stuff, his attitude and this and that, there's no denying. And, you know, God bless people who have not been watching NXT on a weekly basis that got introduced to the Brozaweights tonight. That really got into them. I'm sure they've heard that they were teaming up. And I'm sure they heard that they were in the Dusty Classic. I'm sure they heard all this stuff. But now they finally got to see a great example of why Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne are just awesome. There is no way you split up that team right now. Ride the momentum, man. That dynamic is something that you don't normally get. You think of Booker T and Goldust. You think of oddball pairings in the past. And it's not just an oddball pairing of two different people. It's two totally different personas, attitudes, lifestyles. You know, it, it pissed me off. Last year, when I saw people out there ridiculing and knocking and really just making fun of Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne is one of my favorite freaking wrestlers in NXT. Now you see a little bit of personality. By his by him having the dry personality, he has personality. It's an awesome dynamic going on right now. And I got some photos tonight. And I got some video clips tonight. And, you know, I want to share this one because for the, for the newer fans out there that haven't experienced the Brozawaits getting to this point, this was a little clip that WWE aired on social media earlier today. I bet you're wondering how we're going to get to the arena. Well, Pete, I took care of that, and we're going to ride in style. Come on. Wait, how did you? There she is, bro. That's a ride. How did they how get did that on the plane? All the way to Portland, bro. Creative liberty. Now it's time to win some tag team gold. They just have an awesome dynamic. I mean, there's just no question about it. I freaking think that they're awesome. Um, and they're now the new NXT Tag Team Champions. But, you know, I tell you, something else that really made me feel good tonight 
I don't know how many of you out there saw the pre-show, but let's give a little bit of credit where credit is due. How great was Mansoor tonight? Holy shit. And I look, I said I would try not to curse as much as I can on these shows, but talk about some natural charisma. I mean, I know a lot of people out there thought, all right, it's kind of like the, the movie The Godfather. Remember Godfather 2, and I brought this up before, when Don Fanucci, you know, when Robert De Niro is working in the grocery store, and Don Fanucci brings his nephew in there, and he tells the owner of the store, look, you know, give my nephew a job. And because he can't afford it, the owner lets Robert De Niro go. Robert De Niro ends up blowing Don Fanucci's, you know, blow his head off in his mouth, you know, blah, 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 and he's out of a job. You kind of thought the same thing with Saudi Arabia and Mansoor. Like the King Prince is Don Fanucci. And the owner of the grocery store is WWE. Hey, you know, give my nephew a job. Hey, Mansoor. Fucking guy. Did great tonight. And, you know, the crowd, they can't stand Sam Roberts. I mean, every time Mansoor talked tonight, you pretty much got this. I don't know. I can't hear it for some reason. But anyway, I you know, maybe you can. Yeah, no, because I don't have my speaker on because I'm petrified to get static. Every time Monsoor tonight, he's getting cheers from the crowd. You got this. You got this. Every time Sam Roberts opens his mouth, you got this. You got this. You got this. I mean, the crowd was fun tonight with that shit. Every time Sam Roberts opened his mouth, the crowd booed. And he's trying to play heel. The problem is Sam Roberts is not a wrestling character. He's a, he's a podcaster. He does radio. And I, it's not, I'm not putting any angst on Sam Roberts. If anybody looks at Sam Roberts' shows before he got the WWE job and after he got the WWE job, you could see why not everybody wants to have a job for a wrestling company. You know, he had to adapt. He had to change his style, you know. And honestly, right now, he's a goof. But that's what WWE wants them to have. I still remember when they tried to do that little feud on, on social media with him and Dana Brooke. And Dana Brooke got that match on TV. And she won a match. And she won two matches. And people are like, damn you, Sam Roberts. Now she's getting wins. It was all planned. And look where Dana Brooke ends up. You know, nothing against her personally. But I've been telling everybody out there this idea that finally it's my time. It's my time. It's your time to get a new job. Go to school, get an education, you know, and maybe you do fitness stuff, uh, whatever. But Sam Roberts tonight, annoying, but Mansoor was great. Now, I kind of felt at times that he might have been reading like a card uh, just to, you know, remember a few things that he might have jotted down earlier, but he was smooth as silk. He was great. And he fit in perfectly. I was like, where did this come from? You always knew he had a little bit of, you know, Mike skills, but he was awesome. He was awesome today. So bravo, Mansoor. Um, he, and you know the funny thing about Mansoor tonight? He could have said anything and the crowd would have popped. He could have said, I like cheese and the crowd would have popped. He could have said, my armpits smell like shit right now and the crowd would have popped at it. Anything that he said... He got a pop tonight. Uh, fire Sam Roberts. Nah, you know, he, look, he does 
his job that's needed for WWE. But I just, I can't get into him. I mean, you know, he's got to take forced sides. You bring up a match. If this person's going to take this side in the match, he's forced to take this side in the match. Whether it makes sense or not, he's got to take that side of the match. That's what they do. I mean, it's just, they're announcing 101. I just can't get into stuff like that. I just, but you know, I'm a, he's a team player. So you got to give him that credit. But anyway, NXT TakeOver Portland. Six matches tonight. You didn't need any more. That goes to show you that sometimes less is more. You had one match almost go 30 minutes. You had another match go 25 minutes. You had two matches go 13 or 14 minutes. The main event went, it had to have gone over 20 minutes. It's up then. Uh, but Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, Jesus Christ. When I see Keith Lee doing a Huracan Rana, you know that they're pulling out all the stops tonight. The And I loved a lot of the name dropping. More Ronaldo does it all the time, let's be honest. But when he's flashbacking to Gorilla Monsoon, the irresistible force meets the immovable object. You know, me, I had flashbacks to Jesse Ventura tonight when they were running off the ropes and hitting each other. In my mind, I was hearing Jesse Ventura go, nobody moves, nobody moves. I fucking loved it. Uh, Dijakovic leaps backwards over the top rope. Keith Lee catches him. He's not 100 pounds. They just tore it up tonight. Very physical, doing moves that a lot of luchas have a hard time doing. And, you know, I was thinking about this because we know Dijakovic is a big man. And he's just really athletic for his size. I'm curious, for fans out there, that like NXT and AEW. Is Dominic Dijakovic and Hangman Page any type of a fantasy match that you guys would like to see? I'm just curious because as I'm watching him tonight, I'm saying to myself, you know, Hangman Page has that agility as well, and he is a big, bigger man. But they just tore it up tonight. Uh, Keith Lee doing a standing German suplex I thought was awesome. Just, you know, basically dumping the guy over his head like a sack of potatoes. The cyclone kick by Dijakovic. I have my notes. I took tons. I'm not going to lie. I think I took more notes tonight than I have of any pay-per-view, maybe with the exception of WrestleMania in the last five years. There was just so many things that you wanted to bring up during the matches. You have Dijakovic hitting the corkscrew moonsault for only a two count. Then Dijakovic hits the avalanche Spicoli driver over the middle, off the middle rope onto Keith Lee for just a two count. Crowd is chanting, this is awesome. Uh, I just thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, at one point, the crowd thought that they were going to get tables. Uh, I love the spot where Keith Lee is telling the crowd is getting really, really quiet. And Keith Lee is just chopping the crap out of Dijakovic and Dijakovic's just taking it and taking it and taking it. And one point we thought Dijakovic was going to get the upper hand and Keith Lee gives him the chop anyway, which was awesome. But I think probably one of the moves of the night gave me flashbacks of Rob Van Dam versus Bam Bam Bigelow. ECW. I wonder if anybody out there remembers that match. When Rob Van Dam climbed the top rope twice and did the somersault moonsault 
outside. Now, with Bam Bam, he went over the guardrail into, like, the second or third row. You weren't going to see that with Dijakovic, even if Dijakovic was 110 pounds. But Dijakovic, you know, gave me shades of RVD doing a somersault. But this time, this guy does it over the top of the middle rope, not the corner where he could get that, you know, that le- the middle freaking rope. It's just unbelievable. It just gave me flashbacks of Bam Bam with RVD. Crowd chanting, fight forever. That was not the first time they did that tonight. Um, They're both countering each other's chokeslams. Dijakovic with an avalanche off the top rope for just the two count. Uh, The end of the match, Dijakovic tries to pick up Keith Lee, but cannot, and he's selling that his back hurts. Uh, but Keith Lee is able to pick up Dijakovic, hits the Big Bang cat- catast- catastrophe, uh, catastrophe, some people like to say. I call it the Big Bang catastrophe, the one, two, three. Keith Lee, I thought it was really, really cool. They have a lot of respect for each other on camera and off camera. Keith Lee showing a lot of respect to Dijakovic. Uh, they have a little bit of a hug in the ring. He wants Dijakovic to climb the top rope and soak in the appreciation from the fans. And he actually picked up Dijakovic and helped him onto the to go climb the top rope, which I thought was awesome. And again, they set that bar awfully high tonight. I tell you, I'm not into match ratings as hardcore as Meltzer is. And I know a lot of you out there like to look at match ratings as well. It is very difficult to have two guys of that size, put on a performance like they did. Yeah, when you're 50 or 100 pounds lighter, you could do a lot of other, you know, outrageous moves. But when you're 350 pounds or whatever Keith Lee is, and you're doing some of the moves that you do, I would love to know the five-star rated matches that Dave Meltzer has put in his lifetime of two guys that were over 300 pounds a piece or 320 pounds, you know what I mean? Like two huge big guys. Not And look, I, I know, you know, you think some flashbacks of some matches from yesteryear, but was the match absolutely perfect? No, but it told an awesome story. And, you know, just the back and forth was just phenomenal. Some of the mat- moves that they did, I mean, if this is not a five-star match, I think it, w- it would be so disappointing to see it rated anything less than four and a half or four and three quarters stars. And again, I don't like rating matches like that. But as I'm watching this, I'm saying to myself, some of this is so difficult to do when you're 250 pounds. Add another 50, 70, 80 pounds to that. That is just almost unheard of. Just absolutely awesome. Bravo to both of them. Um... After that match, yeah, look, it was a hard match to follow, but you had Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a street fight. Uh, Tegan Knox comes out, but she's attacked from behind by Dakota Kai. They're brawling outside the ring. The bell has not started yet. You had Dakota Kai get the upper hand, hits a DDT outside the ring onto part of the barricade. Match starts off. You know, the, just a, a a real physical back and forth match was not that long. It was about 12 minutes long. A lot of weapons being thrown in the ring. There was one part where Dakota Kai, and if anybody out there has ever played softball, 
especially softball or Little League baseball, you know what I'm talking about. Especially when you have, like, the metal bats, you hit a ball the wrong way, and that vibration in the bat, like, hurts your hands to the point where you just drop the bat and you're just seething in pain. When Dakota Kai picked up that cricket bat and tried to hit Tegan Knox with it and missed and hit the guardrail, I had flashbacks to when I played Little League. When I just would, you get that burning and just, oh man, that, that could be, look, she was selling it. I don't think that really happened, but it was just, gave me a lot of flashbacks. That by missing and hitting something like that really can hurt, believe it, I tell you. But, um, you know, again, match went back and forth. Tegan Knox, you know, a little flashback to Molly Holly with the Molly go around off the top rope. Uh, the crowd once again split. You have let's go, Tegan. And at one point, I don't know if anybody else caught this out there, but at one point, did the crowd go, let's go, Tegan, let's go, Knox, let's go, Tegan, let's go, Knox? I, I could have sworn as I'm taking my notes, I'm like, wait a minute, that's the same person. Anybody? Did anybody hear that tonight? I thought I heard that tonight. But, you know, at one point, you know, you had Dakota Kai taking out duct tape, trying to duct tape Tegan Knox to the to the ring post. And um it, it was a it was a very physical match. Um, you know, the garbage can lid to the head was pretty, you know, it's it sounds good and it's a nice visual. And, you know, I know some people online right away, oh my God, shot to the head, shot to the head. We even saw a Van Daminator tonight, a pretty hard one to boot. But in the end, we had uh, a spot where Tegan Knox had Dakota Kai. She, they, she, uh, Tegan Knox took out a table early in the night. It was outside the ring. When Dakota Kai was laid out inside the ring, uh, Tegan Knox takes the table and she brings it in the ring. She puts Dakota Kai onto the table, but then what she tries to do, because they're, they're selling that she's just snapped, she's lost it. She takes the chair, puts it in the head of Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai's laid out on the table with a chair, with a head inside the chair. And Tegan Knox is teasing that she's going to climb up the top rope put it through the table, and that's when we had Rena Gonzalez interfere. Um, she ends up helping Dakota Kai get the win. Dakota Kai is a little bit uh, confused. You know, the table shot didn't go the way. See, that. See again, this is where I have a problem with people online who just complain and complain. You know, look, if you balance it out with praising, that's cool. But after watching all the physicality, if the only thing you could comment on about the match is at the table, you know, I am the table, you know, the table doesn't want to break the way you, you know, you being a little bit petty, you know, shit happens. Then I see people out there, oh, rookie mistake, rookie, this, rookie my balls. She's been on freaking NXT for three years. Where have you been? I mean, has your head been in the sand? Anyway. I didn't like the end. I think having more of a, a straight-up ending to it, sure, they needed to do that because if if Dakota Kai was going to win that match, there had to be an asterisk next to it. The only way you really end this feud is if Tegan Knox gets the upper hand. So now by having Regina Gonzalez interfere, this ships the storyline. Think of it like... Um, Ruby Riot, you know, on Raw. You know, she gets involved in the, the the Liv Morgan, 
you know, Lana situation. So Ruby Riot comes out. Now all of a sudden, Liv Morgan is shifted to Ruby Riot, and the Lana story goes bye bye. So kind of the same thing, and um, you know, it 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 was it was an interesting match. I just didn't like the ending to it. We now have an announcement that NXT Takeover UK will be taking place April twenty sixth in Dublin, Ireland. So mark that down on your character on your calendar. Wow, as I'm reading this, um, you look, I don't mind people chatting out there, but if you're going to write something like Tegan Knox is paralyzed, you know, you're going to scare a lot of people out there. So, you know, don't, don't do stuff like that. If something seriously did happen, you know, you write it. But to put stuff out there, eh, I, don't, I wouldn't go that route. That's not necessary. You don't need to do anything like that. Very physical match nonetheless. But um, next we have Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. Um, funny thing about it is, and look, I will poke fun at myself. I still have tons and tons of fat that I want to get rid of. But I think the body fat of Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, I think podcasters, including yours truly, have more fat in our necks than Gargano and Balor have in their entire body. Talk about two physical specimens that you want. Yeah, that was a bad joke, Flax, about, you know, Knox and Parallel. You don't want to do it. Stay away from stuff like that. Stupid. Um, even people I don't like, I wouldn't do that. But, uh, you know, those two, it's like, you know, like I'm looking at my, my fiancé. She's on a tablet. She's watching the Ghetto Housewives of Atlanta. And, you know, I'm just looking in the corner of my eye so I don't see this. Pretend this is a tablet. Like, and, and let's say that's the TV and this is the tablet. I don't want her to be doing this. Talk about a pair of bodies, man. I'm a heterosexual guy and I'll even say it. They, they have outstanding physiques, and they have outstanding uh, in-ring repertoire. You know, I think a lot of people need to understand not every match is going to be high-flying, unbelievable stuff. They were having a match that went almost 30 minutes. It had to tell a story. You had Finn Balor early on. He had the leg scissors on Gargano, and he's trying to show up. He's doing push-ups. That's what Balor does. I wonder if some people out there ever saw Finn Balor wrestle in New Japan and some of the stuff that he does. I ain't going to walk around naked during here. I will do a bet later on this year, and if I lose the bet, I'll wear pasties, and I'll go, I'll... I'll streak in here, but I have to wear pasties. I can't, you know, get violations on YouTube for stuff like that. I ain't that stupid. And by the way, next week, I'm going to post a little poll here on YouTube. All of you, don't vote now, but all of you are going to vote on it. And you're going to choose what is going to be the first painful cha food challenge that I'm going to do. Now, the one chip challenge, that's aside for Mish. Mish and I are going to do it. We might have one or two other people join us as well. But you got the death nut. You got the death gummy bear. You got the lollipop. You got ramen noodles that are like 80,000 times. So I'm going to let everybody vote to see what food product you want. Even the, the, the coffee. 
that is shit out of cats. Did you ever hear that stuff? It's like 50 bucks for one cup of coffee. Simply because cats, they feed the beans to the cats. The cats shit it out. They clean it and people brew it. And it's supposed to have unbelievable flavor. I'm going to give you so many choices next week. You're going to vote and you, you're going to choose what I'm going to do first. I'm sure a lot of you out there will probably find the most horrible food challenge because you just want to see me cry in pain. I don't care. We're here to have fun. You know, this this channel is supposed to be not everything is smiley, smiley, and everything is cake and ice cream. Nothing in life is cake and ice cream. There's a lot of crap going on in this world that sucks. But if we could just forget about our shit for a little while and laugh and have a little bit of fun... That's what this channel is all about. I think some people out there take themselves way too seriously. I'm not doing that no more. This is positive. This is DT 2.0. But anyway, maybe I'm getting off topic a little bit because of Gargano and Finn Balor's physiques. But uh, they had a great match. They told a wonderful story. Um, I got a kick once again. Mauro Ronaldo name-dropping people from the past. And tonight he brought up beautiful Bobby Eaton. And uh, the move that Gargano hit, he called it the divorce court. Now, for those out there that don't know much about Bobby Eaton's history, Bobby Eaton used to do a single-arm DDT that was called the divorce court. Now, I never researched why they called it the divorce court. Something tells me that maybe he got divorced back in the day. I'm sure some of us out there may have had a bad relationship and if some of you out there are divorced, you know, maybe you did want to give your significant other that you were breaking up with a single arm DDT. I know I fantasized that in the past, you But anyway, very competitive match. You have one point where um, Finn Balor did a dragon screw leg, uh, uh, hit the dragon screw leg over the top to Johnny Gargano. And if you watch that, the way, you know, Finn Balor leaps over the rope, hits Gargano, and Gargano's leg just looks like, you know, it just, it looked painful. And at that very moment is where I really appreciated Beth Phoenix, Mar Ranallo, and Nigel McGuinness on commentary. And if you rewatch TakeOver Portland today, for people out there that always thought that Mar Ranallo hogs up the commentating, I think tonight was a clear-cut example of what the formula is with Gar with um, Nigel McGinnis, Beth Phoenix, and Mar Ranallo. Anything that happens in the match, Mar Ranallo is the first person to describe or put it over or react to it. After him, Beth Phoenix many times does the follow-up. Nigel McGinnis many times is the third one to comment. If you watch throughout the night tonight, after, especially this match, I started to really take notice of it. It's a formula. I'm telling you, I don't think anybody out there, if you ever get the opportunity to interview Beth Phoenix or Nigel, you know, I I, I don't think Mauro Ranallo would, would say it, but that is a formula, and it's a formula that works. You need someone to be the lead guy. It's not trying to take away from Beth or take away from McGinnis, but... Mar Ranallo is the one. He's the one that paints the picture. And they follow. And I thought it was awesome. Loud NXT chants during this match. Um, again, you know, I pull, I monitor social media as I'm watching this stuff 
Because even I, I mean, I'm a human being, even I, I might miss a spot or things are happening so fast that I'm taking notes that I want to see what other people have caught on to and things that I may need to emphasize that maybe might have just passed me up. But I saw people early on criticizing this match. And, you know, by the end of the match, I'm saying to myself, that crowd is chanting, this is awesome. That crowd is chanting NXT. That crowd was going back and forth. You have mu mutual punches to each other, mutual kicks to each other. You had, you know, the, the drop kick outside the ring, Balor doing it, Gargano doing it. I mean, even the point where Gargano is on the Spanish announce table and Balor runs across and gives him the double kick. By the end of this match, it was phenomenal. Everybody wrestles different. Everybody has a different type of match, and it told a wonderful story. Um, you know, even the point where Gargano was trying to pump up the crowd and Finn Balor hits Gargano with two sling blades, uh, tries to go to the coup de gras. Gargano's laid out on the top rope between the two ring posts. He's laid out, and Finn Balor climbs the top rope as if he's going to do the coup de gras onto Gargano's head misses and Gargano gets the upper hand. Just really wonderful back and forth. I thought it told a phenomenal story. In the end, Finn Balor, you know, gets the win. He hit the, the bloody Sunday brain buster. He gets the one, two, three. During the match, you know, the crowd wasn't into Gargano as much as maybe some would have expected. When Gargano had Balor towards the end of the match and had the upper hand outside the ring, and you see Gargano acknowledging the crowd, the crowd... Was, was very mixed. And they were mixed throughout the only They were rooting for everybody. But you could hear audible, you know, disappointment from the crowd. They were more into Balor, without a doubt. But Balor gets the win. Next, we had Roderick Strong being interviewed to hype up his match against Velveteen Dream this Wednesday on NXT. Chris, I don't know why you don't like Beth Phoenix. I think she is phenomenal. Because Beth Phoenix has been in the ring. Beth Phoenix has experienced a lot of the, the, the moves that she sees. So when she describes the pain and some of the things, you know, you have the suspension of disbelief of believing her. Beth Phoenix was an awesome talent back in the day. And she is blended in quite nicely with Mara Ranallo and Nigel McGuinness, in my opinion. I mean, I totally respect yours, but I kind of disagree with you. Now we have Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley. And, you know, the big buzz tonight was because of this outfit that Rhea Ripley brought to the ring. Um, excuse me, Bianca Belair brought to the ring. Uh, on, for those listening on the download that are just doing audio only, it was a beautiful robe, and it said on the back, Black History in the Making. Um, I don't know why people get so butthurt online over things like that. You know, I remember as a kid, even though I didn't like him all that much, but my grandmother loved him. Salvatore Bellomo! He used to wear a jacket with the Italian flag. People have had pride for whatever, you know, their, their, their nationality, whatever. Their, you know, granted, it probably would not look all that good if a white guy came out, you know, praising, you know... Caucasians, but you know, you got to be have pride in yourself. That wasn't done with any malice. And right away, people like, oh, that's going to trigger people. Shut up. Seriously, shut up. Shut up. I mean, shut up. I, I don't even like addressing goofs like that. 
Uh, but she comes out to that beautiful robe. And, you know, early on in the match, you have them jaw-jacking with each other. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, honestly, a lot of people were wondering if Charlotte was going to show up. I think a lot of you want to see the EST of NXT being thrown in the main event at WrestleMania, making it a three-way. I am not so sure about that, to be honest with you. Uh, as much as I like Bianca Belair, uh, there's no rush. There's no rush. It doesn't feel like she would overcome Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. So what's the rush? Um, I would like to see Charlotte and Rhea Ripley go at it maybe before WrestleMania. Maybe you can do it three-way before then, you know, with no belts on the line. I don't know. But, you know, early on, people are wondering if Charlotte's going to make an appearance. Match, you know, a lot shorter than the others. It might have been the shortest match of the night, to be honest with you. Uh, Rhea Ripley early on with some really hard chops. I don't know if anybody caught something that Beth Phoenix said that I don't think there was any controversy, but I know a few people immediately caught on to it. Did you hear about that asinine, dumb BS that was going around online last week because Jim Ross said that Nyla Rose was the king of the mountain? And people right away, the social justice warriors trying to speak for Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose is like, look, not everything is said with malice. She had no problem with it, neither did I. That's why I didn't even say anything Wednesday. But still, a lot of people online, you know, because they want to get tweet banged and get a hand job, you know, they'll just comment about it. But tonight, um, you had JR, uh, you know, say that Wednesday and Beth Phoenix tonight saying that the women's division it's at the top of the mountain, the top of the mountain. You know, Wednesday we have the king of the mountain. Tonight, Beth Phoenix saying the top of the mountain. And right away you have people tonight, oh, you see, they're taking a shot at Jay. No, they're not. They're not. That phrase has been said so many times in the past. The only reason why you noticed it now is because a transgender person won the women's championship. It, that's the reason why people, because they're grasping, you know? If you're not transgender and you don't know, shut up. Don't try to say what other people, you know, I wouldn't try to speak for, you know, a, a race or gender that I'm not, because I don't know. I could imagine and I could wonder how bad it must feel to go through some of that stuff, and I could sympathize, but I'm not going to pretend that that's me. And about that whole uproar online, about Nyla Rose winning that title. I'll get into that Wednesday because I'm going to have a field day with it. Yes, I know about the Valvina stuff. I will say one thing now just to set the table a little bit. I kind of find it funny that the majority of people that were in such in an uproar and so triggered about Nyla Rose winning the women's championship, I was amazed that the majority, almost everybody that got triggered about that were men. We're men. I mean, I just, I'm like, you know, uh, I'll save it for Wednesday. This is about NXT TakeOver Portland. So anyway, match goes back and forth. There was one spot. You know, I, I didn't mention this earlier because, hey, look, sometimes you slip. There's sweat outside the ring. There was one point where Tegan Knox had Dakota Kai laid out in the corner uh, and Dakota Kai was leaning against the um, the ring steps, laid out. And Tegan Knox takes a garbage pail, puts it over Dakota Kai's head, 
runs back and instead of just maybe drop kicking the garbage pail, she decides to do some type of somersault or whatever, and she slips. And she sold that she hurt her back or it hurt or anything like that. It didn't look good. But you let it go because, like I said, you know, things are slippery. You know, you're walking around with the boots and stuff like that. I, I've been there, I've done, I, you know, not anyway. I've only done it three times with that. But still, it's slippery. Shit happens. But it was totally unnecessary to have uh, that spot. And anybody that watched the match, you know what I'm talking about. There was one spot during the match where Rhea Ripley, like, back body dropped. Uh, no, uh, Bianca Belair back body dropped Rhea Ripley over the middle rope, the middle top rope, you know, uh, middle of the ring. And she lands outside. And the way she landed outside, I guarantee you, not only us fans that have never done a spot like that, but I guarantee you a hell of a lot of wrestlers saw that and went, ooh. Rhea Ripley is lucky. She didn't break an ankle, tear something in her legs. That is totally unnecessary to do. I know there have been wrestlers in the past that have been backdropped over the top rope and land outside. Rhea Ripley should not be one of them. And by the way, thank you, Flaccid. You know, again, I'm new on YouTube. I'm only doing this one month. You know, overall, 23 years, video, one month. So now I'm starting to understand why the likes and even the dislikes are very, very important on YouTube. So if you like this recap, please hit one of the buttons, a like or a dislike, whatever you want. Because believe me, that allows other people to see this garbage that I'm doing. Some people call it garbage. The haters call it garbage. But I'm up here for all of you. I'm enjoying this. So, but anyway, um, that back body drop, that flip over the top rope by Rhea Ripley, Totally unnecessary. And it was, and the funny thing is, is she almost got up immediately. And I think that was almost like, like a, a subconscious reaction to get up. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Not to tell others, but I think to tell herself, like, I'm okay. I'm okay. It didn't look good at all. And I hope we don't see that again. But, um, you know, they're brawling back and forth. It was a quicker match than I think some people expected. The crowd loved it. Crowd was chanting women's wrestling throughout the match. Um, towards the end, they were fighting on the top rope. Rhea Ripley gets the upper hand and hits the rib tie for You know, this would lead to Charlotte coming out. She shows up and attacks Rhea Ripley. She gets on the microphone and she says, I thought about it, and I'll see you at WrestleMania. And the crowd... Um, is, you know, eating it up. I mean, Charlotte now challenging for the NXT championship. The ratings are going to be interesting leading into WrestleMania. I'm not saying this to cause any controversy because anybody that listens or watches a Wednesday Night Dynamite on a weekly basis, you know that I am very fair for both. In fact, some people get a little frustrated that I spend a, a decent amount more time on AEW than I do at NXT. And I've explained this many times before. You know, NXT, you have a lot less pertinent moments, but you have longer moments. Again, you see some of the matches, you know, on NXT, you know, I, I'm sorry. There's some people that should not be getting 15-minute matches that we see on, on NXT, 
So you add two or three of those in a two-hour show, and the and the event is, you know, it, it, but it's all more organized, obviously. But, um, you know, just getting back to this, you know, Charlotte now is going to be feuding with Rhea Ripley. Charlotte is going to appear in NXT again. We're going to see some cross-promoting and leading into resume. Look, when NXT beat AEW in the rating, Remember, we were leading into Survivor Series, if I could recall. So leading into WrestleMania, you know WWE is going to pull out more stops. So if NXT beats AEW in the ratings one, two, maybe even three weeks leading into WrestleMania, don't be surprised about it. And don't be one of these goofs out there that be like, AEW! AEW told you it's a marathon, not a sprint. AEW. How old are you? Just enjoy wrestling, man. You enjoy what you're watching, whatever the product is, even if it's Impact Wrestling. <laughs> they, no, Impact Wrestling has not been bad. They're trying to find their identity. They lost it a couple of years ago. They're trying to get it back. Just enjoy it. But don't be surprised if NXT wins the ratings for a couple of weeks. And yes, WrestleMania will be probably the biggest reason because of that. So next we have, and again, you know, only six matches tonight. So we're in the next to last match already. You had the Brozoweights, Pete Dunne, Matt Riddle versus Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. You know, the match, I would say the first half of it was more of your, you know, telling the story that Pete Dunne, you know, is getting beat down a little bit, gets the hot tag to Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle gets beat down a little bit. He gets the hot tag to Pete Dunne. It's going back and forth. They come out in their, you know, golf cart thing. You got Matt Riddle on the mic. How much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? Wow, I did that without even looking. Hey, how much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish fried fish? Whatever. Anyway, um... How much would Don Tony eat fish if, no, forget it. I'm not going there. We'll, we'll be a little bit more PG tonight, but you see where I'm going with that. How much fish would Don Tony eat if he everything he ate smelled like fish? No, never mind. I, it's not going to work. It ain't going to work. I should have thought about this beforehand. But anyway, um, you had Bobby Fish with an awesome looking chop block to Matt Riddle. That looked like it hurt, and but just for a two count. And, you know, towards the end of the match, you had Pete Dunne getting the hot tag, bros away chance, bruise away chance all throughout the crowd. You had one flurry that really stood out to me in the whole match. This was Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly just going back and forth with shot after shot after shot. It doesn't smell like fish tonight. Um, you know, and, and at one point... They, they had the arm bar into an ankle lock. Then you had Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne with both uh, members of the Undisputed Era in ankle locks. Um, the problem is, is that Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne were the legal men in the ring. O'Reilly had the Scorpion death lock on Pete Dunne, but Matt Riddle, you know, helps Pete Dunne out of the move. Towards the end, I think some of us were worried that not just the fact that Dunne and Riddle would lose, but maybe they would split up. Because we had a moment where Pete Dunn was knocked into the corner and he knocked Matt Riddle out of the ring. You know, a little, you know, faux pas, as we call it. 
So then we're wondering, okay, hopefully we don't do the thing when Matt Riddle is pissed off at Pete Dunne for what happened. You know, it was an accident. Everybody could see that. Then a couple of seconds later, Pete Dunne is in the ring. Matt Riddle ent- re-enters the ring, tries to hit the spear, I think on Kyle O'Reilly. But then um, uh, Kyle O'Reilly dives out of the way, and Matt Riddle hits Pete Dunne with the spear. Two faux pas. And we're thinking, oh, here's the end of the match. You had um, the Undisputed Era uh, get a two count. I think it was Bobby Fish went for the three count. Only got a two. And this was after the second one because Undisputed Era was hitting all their moves. And we're like, ah, there's the faux pas. There's, you know, the upper hand by Undisputed Era. One, two, three. Even though my prediction was that the Brozoweights were going to get the belts. But um, in the end, we had uh, the Brozoweights get the win. And I love that flurry it's not just skits outside the ring and it's not just the odd couple pairing but you see the offense the shots that Dunn hits then riddle hits the double kicks the double knees the double this they really work well in the ring and that's something you don't come across all that often so yeah the undisputed could have possibly undisputed era could have possibly retained tonight and you have the Brozoweights winning maybe at WrestleMania, something like that. But why wait? Why wait? They got the titles. I think, again, I think the storyline, the bigger picture is now they're teasing, that the, or they will tease that the Undisputed Era has cracks in the foundation, people starting to get mad at each other, blaming each other for it, and they're going to tease the dissension of, split, of splitting. Adam Cole, in storyline, has to play the glue that keeps the Undisputed Era together. So now we go to the main event. Adam Cole retains the title, defeating Tommaso Ciampa. Um, you know, you had the crowd going back and forth, Adam Cole, psycho killer. And the best way I could describe this match, very, very physical. I mean, some of the crap that they were doing, you think of Tommaso Ciampa's injury. And at one point, there in early on in the match, Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa are outside the ring, and you know, Ciampa's on on the mat on the floor outside the ring, and Cole like flips him back, and flips him almost neck first, shoots him backwards almost neck first onto the table. Now, when you saw the replay, it didn't look as bad, but when that first shot, you're like, my God. That did not look good at all. And, you know, they, they, the story was a lot of working the neck of Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, very even, very back and forth. At some point during the match, Adam Cole hit the, as Excalibur calls it, the Tope Suicida. And Mauro Ronaldo pointed out that he never saw Adam Cole ever hit that move in NXT. And that's good because I think too many people do the tope suicida as it is. But um, match was awesome. Crowd is chanting, holy shit. I mean, at one point you had Adam Cole dive onto Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa catches him and hits the, the Spicoli driver. I like to call it Spicoli driver. On the edge of the ring apron. And that led to a holy shit chant from the crowd. I mean, everything looked really, really physical. But the story was, 
that Tommaso Ciampa was not just winning the NXT championship. He was get, getting his life back. So, you know, when, at points where Tommaso Ciampa was just getting his ass handed to him, at one point Cole was hitting kicks to Ciampa and he was knocked down and Ciampa just instinctively, you know, like just crawls to the bottom rope and just holds on to it, almost like a baby holding on to their mother. Or, you, know, you know, it was just almost looked in, like instinct. And Maranello sold it. He even said at one point that broken bodies are going to lead to broken dreams. And it was just an excellent back-and-forth match. Um, you know, we had Tommaso Ciampa attempt the fairy tale ending outside the ring, but he fails. Adam Cole hits the what I thought was a Canadian destroyer outside the ring. He rolls in Tommaso Ciampa, but Tommaso Ciampa somehow gets the upper hand. I don't think any of us ever expected that. He then um, hits the fairy tale ending in the middle of the ring just for a two count. You know, then we start getting a little bit of the, cl the clusterfuck finish. Adam Cole hits the cross face on Ciampa. Ciampa, um, you know, goes for the rope. Adam Cole is pulling Ciampa back to the middle of the ring. You know, if you you, you see that submission, you hit a submission move, guy's going for the rope. And then, you know, right as he's about to grab the rope, the other person drags him back in the middle of the ring. Crowd pops. Now, in this case, crowd would not would not have been happy at that. But as Adam Cole is bringing Ciampa back to the middle of the ring, Ciampa gets the upper hand. He hits the cross face. And they're going back and forth. We get a rope break, obviously. And um, next thing you know, the Undisputed Era come out. And one of them throws the belt in the ring. So you figure the belt may come into play. Uh, I did not think Ch Ciampa was going to be winning it tonight. But I know some people out there thought that maybe Ciampa, you know, Cole tries to hit Ciampa with the belt. He misses. The referee's distracted. Ciampa hits Cole with the belt, knocks him out, gets the one, two, three, pay-per-view over. Didn't happen that way. Belt gets put in the ring. We get the ref bump. Obviously, Undisputed Era proceed to come down. They're trying to beat down Ciampa. They are unsuccessful. Ciampa then throws Adam Cole outside the ring onto members of the Undisputed Era. Ciampa then decides to dive outside the ring on the members of the Undisputed Era. And, you know, we think, hey, you know, maybe Ciampa can pull this out. Uh, Ciampa rolls Cole back into the ring and gets the closest. You know, I, I actually, I was a little out of place with this. The referee was not knocked out yet. The referee was still being distracted with this, but Ciampa gets put back in the ring. And it was like a 2 and 99 one hundredth of a count. I mean, kicking out at the last minute, it was just amazing. I mean, Cole kicking out almost at three, Ciampa kicking out almost at three. Now we have the referee knocked out. We get the belt shot. Uh, by Johnny Gargano. Now, how that all went down was the belt is still in the corner of the ring. Nobody's used it yet. Gargano suddenly comes down to ringside. He's not fighting with the Undisputed Era. Storyline, they're all laid out because of the dives by Ciampa, by Torsen Cole. They're technically laid out. So Gargano comes to ringside and people are wondering, like, what the hell are you doing here? Everybody else is knocked out already. We don't need you. Your services are no longer needed. Go back to the back. So he's just outside the ring, and it looks like he's rooting Ciampa on. Ciampa goes to grab the belt, probably to hit Cole with it and get the win. 
Gargano grabs the belt last second, and Ciampa's looking at Gargano like, you know, give me the belt. And Gargano just has this look on his face, and next thing you know, he gets distracted. Gargano, you know, the belt shot to Ciampa. Ciampa's laid out. Suddenly, the referee is conscious. Cole gets the win, one, two, three, and now the crowd is completely against Johnny Gargano. Um, now, remember, this is NXT, so I don't think suddenly Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano are going to be buddy-buddy. Um, I don't know where this leaves Adam Cole and WrestleMania. I think a lot of people are starting to get the feel that this might be like a four-way or a five-way or maybe even a six-pack challenge at WrestleMania. You know, you, Balor's got to be in on this. Gargano, you almost feel maybe in on this. I don't know if they're going to do Gargano Ciampa at Mania. So you almost feel like maybe there's going to be a four-way or a five-way. And I agree, Lager King. Yeah, Gargano, jealous of Ciampa. Yeah, I mean, that's probably where it's going to go on Wednesday. I know a lot of us out there didn't like that to finish that match because the match was so phenomenal. But if you're not going to have Ciampa win, it had to have been because of something. You didn't want to have that usual undisputed era interference causing Ciampa to lose, especially if they start teasing a split in the undisputed era. You don't want them working as a cohesive unit outside that ring. So an outside force needed to get involved. So although I didn't particularly like that all that much, I understand why they did that. But um, yeah, no, I think a four-way match would be awesome at WrestleMania. So we'll see what happens, but on a scale of one to 10 with NXT take over Portland, I, I know some people might find this a little bit surprising. I give it a nine. I really do. I mean, you know, I don't know too many pay-per-views in my lifetime that I've ever given a 10. You know, I, I would have to really think back. And when you give a pay-per-view a 10, that doesn't mean that everything about the pay-per-view was absolutely perfect. But you really can't find fault in much of anything. I mean, if you if the only things that you could knock tonight is that garbage pan spot, garbage can spot with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, if the only other part you could really have a problem with was Rhea Ripley getting flipped over the rope and almost breaking her ankles, and you're not all that thrilled as Gargano towards you, if that's the only things you have a problem with tonight, how do you like give it anything less than a nine. Every match was good. There wasn't one bad match on the card. And it's a little unfair because I know in a lot of pay-per-view recaps, I give you a favorite match of the night, least favorite match of the night. And, you know, for me, Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee, favorite match of the night. Set the tone, incredible. It's just, it, it showed once again why Keith Lee is my favorite NXT wrestler. I've been saying that for about seven, eight months now, so that's not I'm riding the bandwagon suddenly. My favorite female in NXT has been Rhea Ripley for a very long time as well. You know, even though Rhea Ripley, I said, they got to be very, very cautious how they go you know, forward with her. You don't want people to start feeling like she's being, being handed things. She's not, but she's still on that momentum. No question whatsoever. But I give it a 9 out of 10. My favorite match of the night, Dominic Dijakovic. I'm saying his last name multiple times to make up for that early faux pas. 
And by the way, for those that are checking this out later on or maybe on the download or after the show is over, I had a little bit of an audio faux pas tonight. I don't know where it happened. I don't know why it happened. You know, maybe, you know, some gremlins trying. I think I know what it is. You can't see it over here, but I have um, uh, a speaker now, uh, an acoustic speaker. So I don't have to use headphones when I do shows where I have co-hosts on. I don't mind using headphones. I got headphones right here. But I like being able to move around and not have to use headphones. And I think because I had it on and maybe the volume level was a little bit too high, maybe some of that sound was creeping into the microphone and causing a little interference. I think that might have been what it was. I'm not sure. But, uh, hey, we restarted the stream. Everybody's enjoying it. Absolutely love the fact that so many of you have tuned in live tonight. And please, you know, if you, I know I'm kind of like not answering my least favorite match tonight. All right, let, let's let's think about it for a minute. Um, least favorite match of the night. I have to go, I'm going to go with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. I think, and the only reason why I say that, is because, and look, this is nothing against Bianca Belair. Hear me out before you get get annoyed at what, what you think I'm going to say. Bianca Belair, I said last week, I felt a little bit on you know bad for her that they didn't wait a week to have the confrontation with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. They should have had their takeover match, then have the confrontation with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. But they did what they did, fine, blah, 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 blah. All right, so... You know, I know Triple H tonight on Twitter was talking about how Rhea Ripley, star, Bianca Belair, star, Charlotte, Rhea Ripley, WrestleMania, blah, 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 blah. You know, but I just felt that Bianca Belair was a little bit slighted in this. I don't think anybody out there in their wildest dreams thought that Bianca Belair ever had a shot at winning the title tonight. Um, so especially that fact, um, I would have thought the match would have went longer and maybe Rhea Ripley squeaks out a win. To get the win off the riptide from the rope, I felt a little bit sudden and abrupt, and I think the finish should have been a little bit different, in my opinion. I'm just giving you my opinion. Um, now, one thing very quickly, because I didn't say it at the very beginning. Uh, tonight, at the beginning of NXT TakeOver, we were greeted with a performance from Poppy, I know Mish's favorite performer. I tell you, she's rubbing off on me a little bit. I'm not into mute. That's what she was wearing tonight. Um, some people uh, found it interesting. I think Mansoor called her like the evil Power Ranger. But, um, you know, she did her song. Um, I can't remember what the... Anybody in the chat remember what the name of the song was? I actually do have it written down. I, I'm, I'm being a little bit lazy over here. It was Phil the Clown. Hey, <laughs> Clown. Shout out to all the clowns out there in, in the podcast. I got such a kick out of that early with Rena Gonzalez. Seriously. People acting like they never knew who she was. I could see if somebody was in NXT for two weeks, three weeks. Three freaking years. 130 matches. And you don't know who she is? Boo. Boo. I can't hear either one of them right now. My speaker is disconnected. Boo. But, you know, Poppy is starting to grow on me a little bit. You know, she you could see that she's truly a wrestling fan. Triple H has a real fondness to her. 
I, I, in an innocent way, I think, but she, he's got a real fondness to her. But, you know, she, you know, she put on a great performance tonight. And that's refreshing because me being as a wrestling fan, you know, sure, you had some WrestleMania entrances that had really good live performances. But I could tell you, especially on the indie circuit, and I remember when XPW had some heavy metal bands coming in and performing like an, in, an intermission, a lot of fans were not feeling it. And, you know, the wrestling community has really embraced Poppy and vice versa. So she was really, she put on a great performance tonight. And it was cool to see almost nobody cracking one-liners, cracking jokes and this and that. I don't think Mansoor calling her the evil Power Ranger was anything with malice. It was just lighthearted fun. But she put on a great performance. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. And it would be very unfair if I did not mention her at some time during this recap. So anyway, let me know what you thought of tonight's NXT TakeOver. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. Please post your comments in this thread. I read everybody's, good or bad. Tell me what you liked about it, what you disliked about it. You know, you agree with me about something, you disagree with me about something. Speak out, post your comments. They're always read, they're always appreciated. And I thank you for taking the time out to checking out my recap. I know that there are a lot of other shows out there streaming live, as many of us do right after events. Um, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to take away viewers or listeners from any other show out there. But I do appreciate that you decided to spend your time with me tonight and support all the other shows out there. I guarantee you that there's going to be a lot of other podcasts out there that will have quite different of opinion, difference of opinions in some of the things that I said tonight. You know, we all give our opinions. It's not fact, and we should all be able to respect each other's opinions. We may respectfully disagree in a lot of ways, and, you know, in some ways, you know, some people just... You know, it's their way or the highway. But me, I am very reciprocal. So let me know what you think. Anyway, I am out of here. Um, I will be back Monday night with the DTKC show. Uh, obviously, because I covered TakeOver over here, there's no reason for me to get into it on Monday. It'll allow us to talk, talk more about Raw and a couple other tidbits going on in the world of pro wrestling. There's a couple of things. You know, we're going to talk about the Bellas and the Hall of Fame and what we think about it. I have not said anything whatsoever, so I'm sure some of you are anticipating. I will tell you this much, though. Um, doesn't surprise me. But how I feel about it, I'll tell you on Monday. So everybody, I am out of here. Take care. Be well. Much love as always. And I will talk to you all again Monday night. Take care. Be well. Ciao. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. 
My choice. MyMedicareMyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com.